Welcome to episode 15 of the local meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So, how was your game day, John? Uh, absolutely abysmal. <laughs> oh, that's... That's okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For the first game day since Dragons of Tarkir, I did not get a top 8 promo today. Oh. That's a I, little while. I think it might be the fault of, uh... You playing bad? Well, that, and, uh... <laughs> Uh, I think it's actually... I blame the promo. Oh, okay. Or no, sounds, it wasn't... This sounds reasonable. Maybe it wasn't Dragons, maybe it was Fates Forge. Whichever promo had Thunderbreak Regent. Oh, okay. That was the first promo out of all the top eights that I did not win one. And this uh, game day promo is also a dragon. So, so I you think, just can't win dragons? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just not allowed to win dragons, even though I'm, like, the red player. It just doesn't work. I'm not allowed. I mean, it's not a goblin, so why do you care? Yeah, okay. I mean, there's, it's still red. I like red spells. Yeah, I suppose. But, yeah, are you playing tomorrow? Uh, probably, like... I I feel like I shouldn't, just like I felt like I shouldn't play today. Because I still haven't finished organizing my collection, like I said that I'm. I said I'm not going to play constructed magic until I finish organizing my collection, and I still haven't finished, and I've barely started for that matter because I'm lazy. But um, like I feel like I'm going against that by playing. But as a another friend of mine said, you know, game like you know stuff like game day is not you know just playing magic; it's a lifestyle. Like I'm basically yeah. playing. I'm playing for a trophy, and that's why I play Magic. So it really is. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a pass on on game day. Yeah, so I'm. I I also have another option. I can continue playing in our sealed league, the store sealed league tomorrow. Which, if I don't, tomorrow will be the day that doesn't count towards my record. So as long as I do well on the fourth week, I'm still fine. But I don't know. I'll probably play game day because I enjoy playing and I want to do better than I did today. Yeah, I mean, bar's low, right? Yeah, I just have to win more than one match. <laughs> I did, however, take a game off every one of my opponents, though, so... So that's a moral victory. Yeah, I won every one of my die rolls, and I only won game twos. And you know I always refer to moral victory as uh, yeah. something that people say so they can feel better about losing. Yep. <laughs> Okay. I, I beat black white life gain. That's got to count. Black white vampire life gain. That's got to count for something, right? I guess something. I'm not sure what, but something. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about probably the largest section of magic out there. Um, we're gonna talk about casual magic in general today. Yeah, the people that actually are the reason why magic is still a functioning game. Yeah, and, you know, all of I'm sure the vast, vast, vast majority of us started playing casually first before we ever went to a store or anything like that. I can't... I would be really shocked if someone just immediately started from the get-go as a, like, quotations, competitive player. Yeah. I mean, there are people who do. Okay, so, John, I'm going to start this out with a philosophical question. All right. What is casual magic? So, do you... 
I have a, I, I personally find fault with you calling this a philosophical question. It is a philosophical question. Yeah, but this, there, there's this no is, answer to philosophical questions. But, like, that's the point of this, though, <laughs> is it's like, this is the same exact thing as, like, the Supreme Court justice ruling on what is pornography. Well, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> I mean, that's what ca- casual magic is to some degree, like... Fair. Like, I'll, know it, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> you have asked me this question before, and I did give you an answer. You and did. I have no recollection of what that answer was. You know, I'll be honest, I don't particularly remember either. I think it was something with uh, being built towards a format. I th- yeah. Or I not think... being built towards a format. I think, yeah, that was, that's my criteria. Like, if you're intentionally trying to build a deck that fits within a format, it is not casual. And see, I disagree with that for something that we're going to talk later. I know exactly what you're talking about, because I literally just had that pop in my head as I said it. <laughs> but, so, we'll, we'll, we'll skirt the definition, but, but basically we're just referring to kitchen table magic. Yeah. For, for as fuzzy as that definition is. And that can, be, that can be a lot of different things. I mean, realistically, me and you playing proxy vintage is casual magic. Yeah, that, that is our casual magic of choice, which is insane (laughs) well it's a good time though so but so most commonly the format people are playing with cat with casual magic is cards i own right yeah that that is no ban yeah there's no ban list there's no anything like that people just are like i have these cards i make deck and i play it and usually the decks are not good <laughs> and they're usually usually i i, I have seen casual mono blue decks with four soul rings <laughs> casual this person got yeah. very very annoyed when uh a guy played twin against him and twin won never mind yeah he had four soul rings uh, you you gotta love it when decks aren't even vintage legal and casual magic. But to be fair, to be to be fair, I do have a deck that is not vintage legal that is totally fine to play. I am playing four copies of a restricted card. Yes, Tinker. I am playing four Tinkers in a deck, and it is not broken. <laughs> yeah, because, because you I'm get t- a goddamn stuffy doll. <laughs> 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 to be fair. I think Tinker has a much higher bar for what you need to have in your deck to make it broken than something like Soul Ring does. Yeah, Soul Ring just makes any deck broken. Yes. Like, there are many like... perfectly reasonable cards you can get with Tinker. The problem is the not perfectly reasonable cards are some of the most insane and broken and just win the game cards in all of magic. Yeah. But like you can do fair thing like air quotes fair things with Soul Ring and it's still broken. Yeah. Like, like even if your deck is bad, like just just accelerating something out so much faster is just busted. But ask any reasonable person and they will tell you that Soul Ring is more broken than Black Lotus. Like in... I think we I think we had this discussion one time, but Yeah, because we'll have... <laughs> it was a thing that L- or LSV I think posted on Twitter. He's like, "Which which one would you pack one pick one out of Vintage Cube?" And it was Black Lotus or Soul Ring. 
and a lot of people went Black Lotus. And like he's like his next tweet was like, "Yeah, you take the Soul Ring because it is like way more mana than Black Lotus can ever be." The thing is, is that Black Lotus is explosive because we talked about this. I think we used, I think we said, "Pack one, pick one." Do you take Black Lotus or Soul Ring? And we were assuming the format was like M thirteen. Yeah, I mean, the thing so is, like you're so like you're not doing broken things in any format. I'm pretty sure you just take Soul Ring. I don't know about that, but that's not what this topics about so <laughs> we'll we'll hit this sometime just for for yeah. giggles i'm we're, sure we're but. kind of going off the rails here so <laughs> i mean that's what but that's what casual magic is though, to some degree it's a little <laughs> off the rails like to bring it all back around and stuff i mean it's i mean we have we have had a lot of crazy decks that we play for casual magic some good some not i mean i got my sick fire breathing deck that is not particularly good that I play for casual magic, although it can win on turn three. Yeah, that 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 can be absurd. Like we also have a friend who like his go-to casual deck is literally a Lorwyn standard deck. Yeah, it's Treefolk Tribal. Like that's his favorite mm-hmm. casual deck that he plays. Yeah, and that's just the one. Yeah, just what he has. But I mean, and then we have some decks that are a little, you know, that aren't good but can get going. I don't know. I th- I feel like my Whispering Madness deck is okay-ish if it goes but because i'm playing like fetches and remands in there and stuff so like decent cards you had underground season that deck at one time i took them out because <laughs> yeah yeah and then you, you know like like a lot of people don't realize this but i still have almost all of my old casual decks still built i almost never play them but they're still there like i have a mono red devour deck i love that deck like <laughs> It's like Memnite, Memnite, Ornithopter, uh, Kudotha Rebirth, cast a three-mana 1-1 one, one that has Devour 3. Make a yeah. big dude. It's just the most all-in thing ever, and I love it. I know. It's kind of like your fire I mean, really deck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I have my box of decks right here, and, like, everything I have ranges from decks that are horrible to play against, like my Azur's Allocator's deck, to my mono black drain life deck to my five color mono green door to nothingness deck i mean casual magic is just have cards will play basically yeah like the the one nice thing about casual magic is it it literally like if you are a legitimate casual player you will have decks of like every imaginable power level and that is important yes and that's the really important thing is is that range of power levels because so the biggest problem I see with playgroups that I've talked to or anything, or even that I've gone and played with the other group I've played with that is somewhat toxic. Um, somewhat? Okay, quite. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, we have, so we, as, a, as like our little magic playgroup, I feel like we have really never had huge problems with any one person having decks that just get out of control. Because we're following rule number one. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> I mean, and, and if I'm playing a deck that just ruins everyone's time every single time, that's just so counterproductive, it's just not... I mean, why are we doing that and stuff? I mean, we've gotten people fairly pissed off with decks and stuff. There's like there's certain decks I won't play with certain people. To force deck. Particularly my wife, <laughs> because I love her dearly and don't want her to leave me. Um, 
Because you were literally told if you ever play that deck against her again, she will divorce you. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, and that was a mono blue <laughs> control deck, and she just hates that. Yeah. Just hates it. And I think that deck is not vintage legal either. Um, but I think I'm running two dig through times. Oh, well, that. You put them in there before they were banned. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, kind of an exception. But I mean, that deck was. But the deck is entirely built around counter spells and uh, Beguiler of Wills, basically, and like stealing people's creatures. Yeah. So it's like, it's like counter spells, fog banks, and Beguilers, pretty much. And it just. It, yeah, for certain people, that deck is just no fun at all. I know I've played, like, when we were playing back in the day, I played against an elf deck and actually ended up beating the elf deck with more life than they could gain with their well-wishers because I took their well-wishers and gained that life. I'm pretty sure that deck gave Twin a run for its money. Yeah, I think I think with the right draws, because that deck can be super slow and bad, too, but... Yeah, but, but like if you could, like, stick, like, an early Legacy's Allure... Yeah. And then, like, you're playing actual Counterspell, which was quite good against mm -hmm. me. Well, then it's got one copy of Forbid, because I own it. Yeah, because why which not? Which is just, like, the most unfun card ever. For everyone. Yeah. I should get some cap sizes for that deck. I don't get why people like Forbid. Because it's really good. But it's card disadvantage. Yeah, so is Force of Will, and that's really good, too. I mean... I feel like we've had this discussion on this t on this uh, podcast no, before. I, maybe we have. I don't know. I disagree with Force of Will being a good magic card. It is well, a necessary magic card. Well, let's save this because I'm sure we haven't talked about it, and that could almost be an entire topic. <laughs> yeah, but we agree on it, though. Oh, we do. Yeah, <laughs> I do agree, but... <laughs> but you have to explain it so but True. so here's the level like that blue deck of mine is is pretty far near the top end of the power level of decks of cards for decks i play yeah definitely like like that's that's probably my strongest my strongest deck um i mean and then i have some that are varying degrees going down from there all the way down to my bio visionary deck which is probably my worst by far that deck is have you ever actually won a game with that deck once uh, well, I got some new cards for it, so I think that'll help a lot, actually. I got mm. Spy Kits and something else. You're welcome. I fixed it, yeah. I'm super <laughs> pumped for those. I think they actually do make the deck infinitely better. But, um, which is basically, like, it now will win 1.1% of the time instead of 0.1. Okay. How do, you, how do you have something infinitely better than zero? Math. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, like... I think the biggest thing is is that people don't gauge the who they're playing with and the power level of the decks they're playing with against at that time. And I mean, I could sit there and play my blue deck all night and probably take most of the games. But that's just no fun for everyone as you said. And having a a good range of of decks to swap out and play, I think is a very very important thing. And that other play group we play against really doesn't do that. They actually do the reverse, to where they just they they arms war it, and that's a problem for casual play groups. Mm -hmm. Like when there's what like somebody builds a deck and it's just so oppressive that everybody else goes and builds or buys stronger decks so that they can beat this one deck, which in turn causes other people to arm. Yeah, it just spirals out of control and and becomes a mess. 
Yeah, that like just goes so against the concept of like kitchen table magic for me. It's like we we've, we've never done that even when we had like six of us all playing at the same time. Yeah, we've never really had um uh, the the arms race sort of thing. Yeah, cuz we none of us cared. Yeah, and we've all improved our decks is the thing too. Like it's not like we're just sitting on crappy well, I mean they're crappy decks, but like our decks don't stagnate either all the time. Like, some decks I have that are set, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to change this, but then there's other decks where it's like, oh, we slip in cards here and there, and blah, 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 and, you know, we build new decks to appropriate power level, and... Yeah, but, like, like we never... we It, it never got to the point where we're like, well, I need this card specifically to beat this person's deck, because blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's like, I need this card in this deck because it makes my game plan function, and that's all we cared about. Yeah. Our decks were very... I mean, we we played decks that had play a little bit of play against everyone, but not really. Like most of the decks are like fairly all in and f- have a fairly tight focus. Yeah, like you know, we had removal because removal's good, mm-hmm. and we had interaction because interaction is good. But it's not like, well, this person likes to play artifacts. Better play a main deck, creeping corrosion. Yeah, well, like well, like that other group I was talking about, and I don't think any of them listen to this podcast, so you guys can eat it. Um, <laughs> No, I'm kidding. If they if if they do hear it, you can still eat it. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm friends with them, so it's all good, and they know what they're like. But their meta consisted of every deck they played, no matter what deck it was, no matter what color it was, they had to have a board wipe in it of some sort. Uh, like because because otherwise they couldn't function at the game. Like it just wouldn't like it wouldn't work. Um, for some reason, like that was a big big thing about them. They're like, oh yeah, we always play board wipes. Like every single person I talked to from that group without anyone else around. And, like, I have a few decks that run board wipes, but, like, not every single one is just an auto-include. Like, where am I going to put my Wrath of God? Yeah, like, that's super weird. Their their meta is fairly inbred, but... Like, I don't... I get wanting them as a safety valve, but not every... Like, if you're playing Slivers, you shouldn't want a Wrath of God. Yeah. Like... But they do. They run them. Like, if I'm playing goblins, why am I going to have an anger of the gods in my deck? Right? It just so counteracts everything I'm trying to do that it makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, and there's a couple decks that I run board wipes, and it's like that, my mono green door deck I run board wipes because that furthers the game plan. I think I run, like, six, like eight main deck creatures or something like that. Yeah, you don't care if you wipe the board, you just need to stall. And I, I want to wipe the board, yeah, I want to stall and 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 do that, so like... So that's fitting the game plan of the deck. But I mean, like, you know, I think I run it. I think I have a, a Day of Judgment in my Griffin deck, which is dumb. But I built that deck so long ago I didn't know any better. I'm pretty sure it's also, like, a full art foil Day of Judgment. Oh, it's one of the player rewards. Yeah, like, it's it's really pretty. I'm pretty sure you got that from me, and you're like, this is pretty, and I just want to have it in a deck. No, I actually bought those online. Okay. Like, that's a slightly different excuse for playing the card. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, but but again, it's like, I'm not going to put an Anger of the Gods or a Pyroclasm in my fire-breathing deck, because it kills everything in my deck. Exactly. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And I think when you create the environment where people feel like they have to arms race, you create a really problematic environment where nobody ends up having fun. Well, that that's going to lead me to my question. What okay. if that is what that group finds fun? Okay. If if that is what that group finds fun, that's totally fine then. Like you need to find the fun for your group, but I think the vast, vast, vast majority of people are not like that. 
And that group that already does that, and they play together, and they, I guess they have fun, but all I hear them do is bitch about how terrible things are. But neither one of them wants to just be like, you know, make a stand, grow a pair of balls, and say, hey guys, I'm not going to keep playing this BS. No, because one of them's a giant troll, and that's all he wants to do. So he's breaking rule number one. I mean, they could just not be friends with him anymore. But but they are outside of it is the thing like, so it's uh, whatever. There's politics there. We're not going to fix that because <laughs> I don't want I don't want to fix their group. Well, don't want Plus, to. Not physically capable of it. I don't want to. <laughs> it's not my place. How about that? Fair enough. If it was if it was if it was air quotes my group, I'd put a little more consideration into it, or a group I frequented more oftenly than once every few months. Yeah, I mean, our our friend group is also much bigger on social contracts. We really are. If you think about even our tabletop RPGs, we function very similar. Well, I think it stems from that, though. Like that, You know what? Maybe that's true. Maybe the the origins came from our tabletop RPG, RPG background. Yeah, because you have to remember that. We all played, you know, tabletop RPG stuff way before we ever, like, you got everyone back into Magic. Yeah. So, like, as a result of that, like, you know, we already had, like, that social contract of, like, we understand how to interact with each other and not to make each other's lives miserable. Maybe that's why their D- that other group's D&D games didn't go well either, because they tried that, too. Yeah, like, if it, was they, very, it was very adversarial. That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't like, it? <laughs> like, they even, like, whenever, and, like, it's even, like, whenever we have a new person join our gaming group, like... You can tell that, you know, the people who've been a part of our group for a while just play differently than other people do. Because we're used to it. Yeah, like, we're like we're not, you know, adversarial and, you know, gear... Well, most of us aren't gear-hungry, and, like, you know, a lot of newer players tend to... That's, like, what they focus on. They focus mm-hmm. on, like, doing this one thing and getting mm-hmm. as much possible for that character. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's just what a lot of other playgroups and stuff are like. You have to defend... You kind of have to defend against the person running the game to some degree yeah. and we don't we're not like that i mean as as i've said before when i when i run games i have to defend my players against themselves because they're always trying to kill themselves I mean, like they want they want harsher consequences than i want to give them when when you jump you know down a hundred foot pit bad things should happen oh yeah but like <laughs> god <laughs> okay but yeah and it's i don't know i feel like this that is sort of the crux of everything like the know your group thing for rpgs is such an important thing and i feel like that extends straight to magic and it's not really considered and and it's especially with and casual magic is such a problem because if you if you're like oh we're gonna play modern i mean you can sit down with anyone and play modern and there's no disagreement on what the rules are basically yeah like everybody knows what what modern and there, there's no there's no necessary social contract or anything there it's just like these are the rules for it these are the cards i can play let's let's do this we know how this works we're with casual magic you're like it, so you go up to somebody in a game store oh say hey let's play a game of casual and you know i whip out my griffin tribal deck and you you know your opponent you, pulls out stifle knot yeah, exactly. Which like, I had happen like... to me at Casual Magic one day. <laughs> like, honest to God, Legacy Dex Stifle Knot. For those who don't know, 
Stifle Knot is an old, old style of legacy deck where your goal was to play a Phyrexian Dreadnought, which is a 12 12 mm -hmm. trample for one mana. That when it enters a battlefield, you need to sacrifice creatures whose total power equal 12 or more or sacrifice it. Mm hmm. But you and, stifle that trigger. Yeah, you cast Stifle, which counters target activated or triggered ability. And so if essentially you played a 2 mana 12 12 trample. Yep. And then you win the game. Mm hmm. Used to win the game, not anymore. I was going to build a deck around around that and a bunch of other cards with drawbacks and just like try to torpor orbit. <laughs> <laughs> but I never got the cards for that. Thank God. But, and see, that's where the, the big thing is, is like, and that's why I asked the question first off, kind of, it was slightly more rhetorical than I made it sound, but, you know, what is casual magic? Like, that is, there's, that... there's just no unwritten or there's no written or unwritten agreement as to what this means yeah like if we do casual magic me and you it is literally proxy vintage yeah we play proxy vintage but if we get other people in there then like like a Loran standard deck is fine yeah and we play decks that are suitable to that power level or you know, would, would also... we play whoops sorry it's also very common that we'd go to, like, EDH as a casual format now. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, when we play EDH, like, I have a, a couple EDH decks, and there's certain ones that I avoid playing with certain sets of people because it's just less fun for them because the decks feel like you're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I actually have a very similar thing with that, where, like, I have an entirely foiled-out, pimped-to-all-hell Krenko EDH deck. Mm -hmm. because I have an absolute love of goblins like and that's it was the best way for me to show that like and like I am mm -hmm. the deck is not fully optimized like I have actual factual raging goblin in that deck because it, that's your favorite goblin it is my favorite goblin of all time and I have a seventh edition foil why would I not play it <laughs> but the deck can I can still clear the table on turn five yep it is unbelievably powerful when it's humming on all cylinders and i don't think i've ever played more than a single game with it at like with you guys because no. i know it's not fun for anyone else but me when i have 300 goblins in play and sack them all to a goblin bombardment yeah and none of us are doing the things that can counter that basically for no. the most part and i mean but, like and you yeah. guys are somewhat accepting of it it's like yep he's gonna do it once then he's done yeah, and we're okay. And see, that's the thing, too, is it's like, we're not saying it's like, oh, never play these decks. It's like, yeah, get a game in, crush everybody, and then we're good. Yeah, you know? And I'll pull out Karn, and I'll sit there and dirtle with, with a yeah. bunch of colorless mana and nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like, even with my my casual decks that kind of have those weird win conditions, like, my door deck, it's like, oh, I, I did my thing, I... You know, I killed everybody with my sweet combos, and all right, we'll put that deck away and we'll play something else. Mm -hmm. So, it, we, it, yeah. Do we have? It's almost like we have an unofficial rule. After you win a game, you like that deck's gone for the night. To some degree, it depends on the deck and who's playing it and everything like that. Like me or you, there's certain decks where that it's like. Yeah, we we had our fun. We'll shelve it. Like decks that are just kind of torturous to play against, like that, that Azers deck. Like if I win a game with that, like I'll shelve it because it's like we did it. We're done. If you play a game with that, you should shelve it. We're done. I should <laughs> just shelve it. We're done. <laughs> or, or that. That too. 
I know you don't like that deck, but uh, it's, it's just, just nine it's, times out of ten it doesn't do anything. But... It's just a prison deck. Yeah. Yep. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I don't know, and I feel I feel like our EDH decks are like that because yeah, the one because uh, I have like a very unoptimized Mirin EDH deck, very very unoptimized. Um, but like if I get that deck to go off, it just feels like I'm cheating like it just really does yeah fun fact fun fact about unoptimized marin she's still busted like that deck is just stupid and busted like it is just redonkulous like there are like half a dozen really really good green black commanders and she's hands down the best one yeah as far as i'm concerned like i I remember i played a i think i played a one-on-one game against my wife one time and i managed to because i have the um uh the flip lily mm-hmm. and i managed to ultimate her and like when you have that emblem and mirana it just feels like like that the the entire game is just dirty mm-hmm. like it's just stupid it's just ridiculous i think i had i had the emblem i had mirana out and then i had birthing pod going too and it was just like yeah i'm gonna just kind of do everything i want and you die now you need to imagine doing that in standard and that's what that's what my blue black aristocrats deck was. Nice. And there's a reason why people hate Whirler Rogue. Uh, I like it, but I'm okay with that. I love <laughs> I love that deck. So, actually, on the topic of EDH, I okay. <laughs> this is just a giant pet peeve of mine. I f- hate competitive EDH. <laughs> Because it is absolutely, oh, it just counteracts what the format was designed for. Like I just, I I just cannot stand it. Like, I I, I I'm so mad right now. I can't even like talk. <laughs> so, uh, just talk me off the ledge. I get that. I really do. But while I have also had multiple conversations with people about why competitive EDH should not exist. I do think there is a place for stuff like it. Because EDH is such a unique format in what is actually on the ban list and what is and is not allowed. Depending on what ban list you look at. Well, yeah, but (laughs) even both ban lists are highly unique. Like, you can do things in EDH that you can do in no other format. And the reason why you can do that is because you only get to play one of us. And so, people are able to do these super janky, weird combos and stuff. And, like, it's something they can do in no other format, and that's what they enjoy. And I think that's fine, as long as everyone else at the table wants the same thing. Okay, so here's my issue with it. So, being a singleton deck with so many cards you increase variance yes variance is targeted towards non-competitive players yes and the purpose of edh like more or less with the bandless and everything <laughs> in, in my opinion from what i have read at least edh's focus was basically to have a casual format that people could just wander up and not have the problems of Oh, my deck is vastly more overpowered than your deck. Yeah, that—that's why power is banned in it. 
Yeah. All but, but time like, twister. Sure, whatever. But the but the problem is is like and you'll never get away from that problem completely. Like if I say let's play standard, like you could have your, you know, aristocrats deck and I could wander up with deck cards I own from standard.deck and get smoked. Like that's fine. But competitive EDH is something that purposely tries to make the best deck. And like it, it just exacerbates the problem with casual magic when you end up in a kitchen table scenario where a bunch of people sit down and half of them are playing my sweet theme EDH deck of cards that I think are awesome and the other half are playing the best EDH decks out there. Mm-hmm. Like it just absolutely just blows everything out of the water, and I, I, I feel like the format's being used for something that it wasn't designed to be used for. Like it, honestly, it, and I'm, I'm insane about this, but if you want a format like EDH and you want to play it competitively, play Canadian Highlander. Fair. And that's my irrational rant about EDH. I, so I once again. I really do understand where you're coming from, but that is why I think that with EDH, more than anything else in all of Magic, more than just even normal kitchen table Magic, the social contract is way more important than yes. everything. Like, yes. you should only be playing decks of equal power level or that people who sit Roughly down at the table level, with yeah. you want to be playing against. I yes. that this is actually why I really I actively despise EDH leagues. Yes. And EDH nights. Because you will have four different people at sitting at a table and you'll have like you'll have the one guy there who's playing Leovold, the other guy is playing, you know, Red Green Omnoth. I started playing back in Battle for Zendikar. The one guy's playing Mono Green Omnoth, and then you know you have the other guy who's just like, "This is the one legendary creature that I own." And I built a deck around it. Yeah. Yeah, and like it is such an insanely difference in like what is going on, and there is no way for something like that to happen without some people at that table feeling really disappointed. Like, yeah. they will not get to be doing what they want because, oh, the Leovold guy happened to have Teferi's Puzzle Box in play, so no one drew any cards after he played Windfall. It's like, oh, the Mono Green Omnoth guy swept the table on turn four. Or, you know, both those guys happen to get mana screwed, and then they lose to, you know, random three-color legendary creature guy because he happened to not even realize he had an infinite combo in his deck and just happened to get it for the first time in, like, three months. <laughs> I mean, my main EDH deck, I just have an infinite combo just to in case, but... <laughs> yeah, like, well, I'm of the opinion that every single EDH deck should have an infinite combo just to end the game. But that's a completely different topic. Yeah, we'll, is, we'll yeah. show that. This is, about, this is about the actual, like, social contract aspect of EDH. Like, mm -hmm. right now, my our local game store has an EDH night, and they use a points list. And I think that alone is highly flawed because points lists are still abusable and they keep having to modify the points list to try and make it so the more competitive people don't just keep like disappointing all the more casual people like they now have it it used to be if you beat someone before if you eliminated a player before turn five 
you would get a negative point. And you get plus two points when you eliminate a player, so you effectively only get plus one. And I just hate the point systems in general because they're still abusable. Yep. You're essentially, like, you're limiting the players there, not out of any sense of, like, you know, community inclination. You're just putting a hamper on them just as a way to try and keep them from being a dick. Yeah. And see, here's the thing, though, also, is, is that there is no rule that will fix this. Yeah, like, you know what happens when you do that? Suddenly you have the person who just builds, like, mono-red Doretti stacks. <laughs> and then no one plays Magic, no one wins. He'll win eventually on turn 12 when no one has any permanence in play. Mm -hmm. But, like, that doesn't do anything. Right? Yeah. Like... I I've been trying I've been telling people for a while that I have an I have my own idea for what should happen in an EDH league. And mm -hmm. I I used I told the guy who used to be in charge of it, he'd said he'd tell his bosses, I don't know if he ever did, I don't know if his the bosses just don't care. Like I or, know, or maybe they disagreed with you. I yeah, mean, or maybe they disagree. Or thing. maybe they disagree with me. Like I know that the the owners are big or one of the owners is a big fan of the points list. They think mm -hmm. that it's a very good way of actually, like, you know, cultivating what they want to be happening. But I just, I think it's much better to try and get people to, get people to play better magic by, like, forcing them to be nice to their community. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> like, if there's someone who only cares about winning, make it so, like, winning doesn't matter if you don't do it in a way that's nice to the community. Mm -hmm. Like, my my idea is, like, so right now all you have to do is you show up, you buy a pack, you're immediately bought into a draft, or into a pot. Mm -hmm. And first place gets two packs, second place gets one pack, based on points. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, if you get one of the random achievements from the points list, uh, you get a snack or soda. If no one gets a snack or soda, they roll a die for a third or fourth, and they get a free snack or soda. Okay. So my idea is you completely get out of the buy a pack, play in a pod. You charge everyone $5 flat. We're getting rid of the free snack or soda. Okay. So, you, so everyone sits down and they play their pod. And everyone has... Um, two packs to their name. Mm -hmm. No matter what, everyone walks out of there with a pack. So you still okay. do the... It's You're essentially still buying a pack, you're just paying a little bit extra. Okay. Because they're... Much fair, they gotta make, a, they gotta make money. Yeah, well, if you think about it, like, there's still... There's, instead of being seven... Like, if so, in a normal four-player pod, with the old way, it would be... There was seven packs that went out. Everyone bought mm -hmm. a pack, and then three more were given out, two and one. Okay. So instead, everyone spent $5, everyone gets a pack, and now there's four more packs that are paid out. So the okay. last person standing in that pod keeps mm -hmm. their second pack. Okay. The other three people in that pod have to give away their pack. They cannot give it to themselves. They are under no conditions for who they give their pack to or why. So if like if the one if one person in that pod's like, well, I think the person who was the last man standing deserves the extra pack, they give their pack to the guy who got who won. 
If one guy was like, well, you were being really helpful to everyone around the table when I was land screwed. I think you deserve my pack for being a nice guy. And the other guy's like, well, I'm just going to give my pack to the guy who got land screwed and didn't cast any spells. This entices the person who wins to win in such like suddenly the person who wins they're only getting one pack for winning so they got two packs for five dollars which for some people is fine i'd be totally down with that i wouldn't care and 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 it entices them to like if they can win in such a manner that isn't going to salt out the rest of the table more people might give them more packs and worst Mm -hmm. case scenario you sit down at the pod and the one guy wins the entire pod on turn two Mm-hmm. then there's nothing stopping those other three people from saying, I'll give you my pack, you give him your pack, he'll give me his pack. Everyone mm-hmm. walks out of there with two packs, it evens out. And then the guy who won the pot on turn two literally has nothing to show for it. Okay. Like, that's my idea for a self-policing um, EDH league. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, like I, I'm really would love to like have it tested out to see if it would work, but I don't think it's ever going to. Well, if somebody out there tries this, let us know. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> like, if you get this to work and it act, like if it self destructs and the house burns down, I'm sorry. But if it actually makes your community better, let me know because I feel like it really would. I mean, and you have no sweet. data on it, so yeah. it's not like you it's can be like you my... can go up to anyone and be like, "This is better because of numbers." Like you're just like this. This is how I feel right now. Yeah, like it's literally me just being like, "I think this would work because you're getting the competitive people to care about the opinions of everyone else at that table." That's important. Yes, and that EDH is a um, a political game. Yeah, well, kind of. I. I... That's that's another can of worms. Yeah, I but... disagree with it being a political thing. But oh, okay, like, maybe we we might have to do an EDH episode. <laughs> like there was a guy at, who used to play EDH night all the time, and he always played decks that would just win immediately on turn five, sometimes sooner. He once won the he won his pod on like turn two and still had more points than everyone else. And I'm like, why do you play decks like this when no one else at the table wants to play against decks like this? He's like, because there's prize support. As I need to get my money's worth for coming here, which is uh, which is the the mentality. I mean, yeah. I get I I get the mentality. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah, totally. Yeah, well, like my argu- I mean, he's paying his money. He wants to get packs. Well, I argued against him, like, but you already got the one pack that you bought. Like, you bought in with a pack. You like got your money's worth, as it were. Like, yeah, you have you're spending your time here. But if you honestly think that if you don't win packs, it's a waste of time. Why even come in the first place? He's like, well, yeah, I paid full price for a pack, but if I wanted to, I could buy packs online for much less. So I need to win at least one pack to warrant getting by, to warrant buying a pack, hmm. which is unbelievably flawed. <laughs> I mean, I don't agree with it, but yeah. Whatever, I guess. So. He's not playing anymore. I don't know why. I don't know what happened, but I don't okay. think people are particularly bothered by that fact. Yeah. Well, we're getting getting on here, so why don't we why don't we wrap it up? You have anything else before we close out? I really wanted to do a crack a pack, but I don't think we have time now. Uh, I don't think we do. Uh, that was took a lot longer than I originally thought it would. So. We're going to do go with the uh, an old standby I've been waiting on for a while. Okay. This is a very important question okay. for you. Okay. 
Elvish Mystic. Okay. Llanowar Elves. Yes. Findhorn Elves. Yes. Which is better? From what, like, just I get to choose. Yep. Generally. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something super offensive here. Right. It's not Llanowar Elves. Okay, that's acceptable. Like. Yeah, it's a cool name and stuff. I I don't care what anyone says. The original art from Alpha was not very good. <laughs> I agree. I hate that art. Um, Finhorn Elves is just so weird and just weird. out there. It's like <laughs> I, I'm cool with it, but whatever. I'm gonna go with Elvish Mystic because you can print it anywhere, mm-hmm. and it's literally exactly the same card, basically. And also the name. I I like the slightly more generic names, actually. Um, I, I really enjoy cards that are, that can fit into, into multiple worlds, um, much more than I like cards like Lana War Elves, this can only go in a place with Lana War, or, yeah. you know, proper name cards and stuff. I, I think I'm different from most people like that. Like, like good old giant spider on a Monquette, I love it, love it, <laughs> but, um, so, like, cards like that that are kind of generic, I like seeing, I like those more, and I, I think Elvish Mystic is the winner. I raise. I would raise Elvish Mystic's hands, but I own a ton of Lana War Elves, so I tend to use those. I mean, yeah, you you play what you have available to you, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I do actually agree with that. I am a bigger fan of uh, Mystic over all the others. Mm-hmm. But. So I'm gonna I'm gonna counter on you and ask you one: Lightning Strike or Searing Spear? Searing Spear has better flavor text. You think that's the one? But I think I actually like Lightning Strike more. Mainly because what? it's very evocative, obviously, of Lightning Bolt. Fair. Which, it's literally the same card, except one costs one more mana, and I like yep. that. Mm-hmm. As to where Searing Spear... They always result in having really awkward art. Like, that dude just is not having a good time... <laughs> True, and like, but I I think you could do some really good art with that card though. Searing spear, still, yeah. Well, easily. I mean, look at all the different arts of like lava axe and how great those can be. Like, there's very like you could do just as much with something like a searing spear, but I actually do think I prefer lightning strike. Hmm. Now we know we have answered the real issues. Yep. <laughs> so, if you have any feedback about that or anything else we have said in this podcast uh you can send us some feedback at the local meta at gmail.com and if you want to catch john's streams you can hit them up at twitch.tv slash gale rivers g-a-l-e-r-i-v-e-r-s and yeah that's all so i guess we will catch you next time see ya